This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Oh, how you be on a Friday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live, closing in on the Week 9 matchup. Buffalo's first division matchup since Week 3. Holy mackerel, it's been a minute. Only the second division game of the season for the Bills, Steve. And I feel good. I feel well, good. I'm, I'm glad you do. I, <laughs> well, yes. Brownie has been watching Jet film and doesn't like what he's seeing from, from gangrene. Um, Particularly the offense. Yeah. Zach Wilson's struggling, no question about it. Holy but, cow. Um, we were making comparisons. Zach Wilson makes Sugar High Josh look like a kid taking a nap. Or I making mean, rational decisions. Yeah. Um, he reminds me of J.P. Lossman. That's who he reminds uh, me of. A more energetic J.P. Um, he really struggled against the Patriots and against the Broncos. Yeah. And against, <laughs> and against uh, you know. It's yeah. rough. They're, uh, it's rough. I, I, if he, if it doesn't happen before then, if he lasts until the Bills and Jets play again, I might be a little bit surprised. Yeah, I, I mean they may give him the whole year because they got well, Mike they got to find out, him. right? Find I mean, out. Um, they got to see if there's any growth in him. But he is, he made some throws that are just oof, bro. All right, so Steve, that. I put this in my five things to watch for on buffalobills.com in the weekend look-ahead column that I put together every week for the upcoming game. According to Pro Football Focus, Zach Wilson has been the lowest-rated passer under pressure in the entire league. Are you ready for this? He's completed nine passes on 47 pass attempts when under pressure this season. He's been sacked 10 times and has a league-high 14% turnover-worthy plays. Steve, he's got one more sack than completions under pressure this season. Now, this week, he is facing a defense since 2021 that ranks first in points per game allowed, total yards per game allowed, passing yards per game allowed, Opponent passing touchdown to interception ratio, which is one to nine, and opponent passer rating, 54.4. Zach Wilson has the lowest completion percentage in the league among quarterbacks who have basically 10 or more starts since last year. Yeah. And he's completed 54.9% of his passes. <sighs> Means nothing if you can't score. You got. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna come up. They're gonna show up and play. You got to show up and play. You can't think no, this game I know, is a wash. I know that, but holy the Jets cow! Are, the Jets are five and two, five and three, five and three. I'm sorry, the Jets are five and three, and that's nothing to sneeze at in the NFL. I mean, I'm I get it. I mean, they're not. You know, I mean, nobody's sitting over there shaking in their boots, and they but they won four games. They beat the Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, Broncos. I watched a good portion. And the Browns. I watched a good portion of the game last week because it was on here in Buffalo because the Bills weren't playing until 8 o'clock last week. And I, I watched the first half of that game because after that I left to come down here. Yeah, same with me. And 
I, I guess I watched it and said, okay, you know, we're hearing Zach Wilson struggling. I'm watching some of that, and I'm like, does he know what's what's going on here? Like, he knows the play. <laughs> what's going on? Like, I seriously, this. There are times where I watch Zach Wilson, and I say to myself, if you told me that the Jets. All their quarterbacks were hurt, and they grabbed a quarterback off the street, and they dropped him into the offense. That's what he would look like because he, honest to God, at times, not all the time, at times, looks like a guy that's in his first week with the terminology and the plays, and he looks like a fish out of water sometimes. I don't get it. Like, he's been there in this system Going on a year and a half now. Like, things should just be, you know what I mean? Like, automatic. I know what you mean. mean. I've seen it. And it's every aspect of his game, Steve. His play fakes are horrible. His accuracy is terrible. His mechanics, not good. He doesn't. Can't throw off platform in the pocket. Feels Feels the pressure too early. Pulls his eyes down and doesn't look downfield. He'll make an occasional play on the run here. He's got a live arm because of his arm and his athletic ability. But my goodness, is it inconsistent? It is wildly inconsistent. Yeah. And you can't. And now with Brees Hall, your best offensive weapon out of the equation for the rest of the year and a banged up offensive line. Best of luck, man. Best of luck. They, to me, they are a paper tiger at five and three. They got a nice defense. But unless your defense is getting four takeaways a game, this team's going to struggle every week to get to 17 points. They are. They just are. And against this defense, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the jet defense is what the engine that kind of drives them. And their running game was pretty good, particularly with Brees Hall. Now he's out. Um, but Carter's a good running back as well. So yeah. they got some guys. Their offensive line's been injured. Vera Tucker's been out. They lost Still Mekhi out. Becton. Um, you know, so they lost get, George Fant. They, they, so they lost some guys. They're a little thin on the offensive line as well. But, you know, they're, it's going to be a hard game. I still think this game's going to be closer than what we would like to think it's going to be. Brownie is getting way down on the Jets watching them. Um, I'm not going to fall you for You double-team Quinn and Williams the whole game. Maybe Carl Lawson makes three or four plays. But they're, they've had a nice little run here. As I said at the beginning of the season, I think they could get to seven wins. I still believe that. Might be a little bit of a struggle to get there, though. Yeah. Because win six is not coming anytime soon. Well, hopefully not this week anyway. Yeah. Corey Davis for the Jets has been declared out. His uh, sprained MCL is going to have him miss another game. He missed last week's game against the Patriots. He is going to miss this week's game, according to head coach Robert Sala. He made that announcement today. Bills head coach Sean McDermott earlier today said that Jordan Poyer has been ruled out of Sunday's game due to that left elbow injury. He's been out there on the side of the practice field doing work with the trainers, riding the stationary bike, all of that. But he did not practice at all this week. He has been ruled out 
for Sunday's game, which essentially means it's going to be Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin together in the secondary, much like they were in week three against the Dolphins. And I think here and there they've been in there together, although not for a full game, I believe, since then. Because Oh, no, Poyer missed another game, right? He Didn't he miss the game in got, week five after uh, the, the Ravens game where he made two picks? No, no, yes. he, traveled, he traveled to Kansas City, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he missed it. That's right. He 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 made the trip to Kansas City, um, yeah, because of the, and he got the rib injury in the Baltimore game, right? On that interception. Yes. Um, so yeah, Daquan Johnson, or Jaquan Johnson and Demar Hamlin just tried to combine the two safeties into one person. Uh, will be starting presumably there, and now you know why the Dean Marlowe acquisition was so important. So there you are. And then basically the other injured players all working at practice today in some capacity. We'll get the injury report coming up before we are off the air today. Um, But the good news is Spencer Brown, Matt Milano, uh, among others, working their way back into practice. Milano had not practiced at all this week with the oblique muscle injury. Tremaine Edmonds dealing with a heel injury, but he has practiced all week in a limited capacity, so he at least appears to be trending in the right direction all week long. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be and, – and Von Miller was out there practicing today too. He popped up on the injury report yes, yesterday yeah. with an ankle injury. It was a vet day on Wednesday. Wednesday. An ankle yesterday, and I think they que- the the media questioned McDermott today about that, how that happened, and he just said, "Listen, it, it was something he thought he was going to walk off. It didn't go away as fast as he wanted it to, so he gave him another day." It sounded like that. Yeah. Uh, those weren't his exact words, but uh, just just popped up because you know one day you think you're just a little sore, and the next day it's not going away, kind of thing is what it sounded like. The other thing that I thought was notable was each of the last two weeks in which Tredavious White has practiced. He hasn't practiced on Friday. I think he practiced last Friday, though. Um, I don't know if he did or not. The first two weeks he did not. He practiced Wednesday, Thursday, did not practice Friday. I think last week he did. Do you? Because it was over in the stadium. It wasn't on the grass field. This week he's out there practicing on Friday as well. Coach McDermott is – Probably not going to make a determination on that probably until tomorrow. That would be my guess as to whether he's going to be up and active for Sunday's game or not. Um, Steve and I are of the belief that if he does dress, you're probably looking at he's not going to 10 start. to 12 snaps yeah. in for, the game. He'll rotate in. Maybe he'll be a sub-package guy. It, knowing the way they may work this, given some respect to Trey, he may start the game and only go the first series and then start the mm. second series. Of the first, You know what I mean? They may give him that um, level of respect. They may give him a few plays right off the top. Yeah, because the last thing um, you want to do is get him all warmed up in warm-ups and then, and then sit. let him sit it may and be bring the him smart in later. Thing to do. They may, he may walk out and be a team captain. He may call the coin toss for all we know. And yeah. then, you know, he may cover the opening kickoff. We could use somebody else on the coin toss. <laughs> they haven't won too many of them. Right. They've won one coin uh, toss this but year. But that makes some sense to me if you think about it. Um, and given, you know, the – Trey's status in the organization, how much everybody loves and respects him. Uh, 
They may say, you know what, you're getting the start tomorrow, but you're only going to go a handful of plays yeah. or this many plays or to this point of the game or whatever, whatever. Uh, but you're going to start, so be ready kind of thing. Um, I could see that. Yeah, but we're expecting pitch count here, not a full workload, He's even if he is up. percent of the snaps. So keep an eye on that. But you got Benford, Elam, and Jackson back there. So And Taron Johnson, of course. So you're kind of covered there. And up front, aside from Von Miller dealing with this ankle deal, but he's practicing today, they're in pretty good shape there as well. And Spencer Brown, really the only guy they're waiting on on the offensive side of the ball to see if he can return after missing last week's game with that ankle injury he initially suffered in week six at Kansas City. Poyer missed the Steelers game. So he missed week three Miami, week five Steelers. The game sandwiched around the Baltimore game. Um, So Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin have started and gone wire to wire in two games this season. Jaquan's played in parts of a couple of others, but they're going to be back together for a third installment here on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Those are your practice updates, which, as always, are brought to you by LECOM, Lake Erie Osteopathic. um, Or Hold on. I got to pull this up because I always try to remember it off the top of my head, and I never get it right. Lake Erie. So it's the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Osteopathic Medicine. Medicine. Because I try to think in my head what each letter stands for and try to just get it all, and I only get about four out of five. (laughs) So I might as well look it up and get it right. Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. There we go. I like it. Yeah. Um, Thursday night football, Steve. Eagles remain undefeated. I think we all anticipated they were going to beat the Texans, especially without Brandon Cooks, who incidentally is supposed to report back to the team on Friday um, after a little disgruntled relationship between the two. First ever eight no start for Philly. Yeah. Texans jumped out in front early, 7-0, and then the Eagles kind of took control of the game after that, and Jalen Hurts got a win in his hometown. He's a Houston native. So that was, you know, good for him. Okay, great. I don't think any of us expected that the Eagles wouldn't win the football game. So they did. They're 8-0. And, you know, the Texans still struggling. So there's that. And then we saw that there were some injury developments uh, around the league. Rashad Bateman for the Ravens, done for the year. He's going to have foot surgery. They have Deshaun Jackson on their roster, Steve, the Ravens. I don't know what he's going to be able to give them at age 35 going on 36. He can probably still run. Well, maybe not the way he did when he was 24. He, he might but be able to still run, but he probably can't stop. It's <laughs> hard yeah. as he, You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Change of direction, that kind of thing. And I, I'm, I'm not being facetious. That's true. Yeah, well, that that's happened to you, is. right? It's happened to me. It happened to all the old guys. The reason you stop playing isn't because you can't run anymore. It's because you can't stop and turn and twist and move and change direction anymore. It, that's what crushes your joints. Yeah. But he can get out there and run a sprint. He can, so we'll see what he can bring to that offense. Meanwhile, Michael Thomas, he's, he's going to have toe surgery. They're putting him on injured reserve, might be done for the year again. Michael Thomas, I think, dressed for three games this year after missing the better part of the last two years with a foot injury. You wonder if this guy's career is over. I mean, it's unbelievable. He thinks, what is he, 26, 27? It's know. horrible. I mean, the yeah. guy was like – all-time leader in receptions one year in the league. And bang, there it goes. So, yeah, yeah, just wacky, wacky stuff. And now they're going to be leaning on Chris Olave and and the other guys down there to make that passing game go. 
What's going on here, man? We got, got a guy doing a Chris have, Collins where yes, it's sliding. Slide in. <laughs> Micah Hyde comes Just in. like that. You made hey, it man. in. Practice is over, I take Practice it. is over. Yeah, welcome, it, welcome. I don't think we're in uh, – we're not in Buffalo anymore. I don't I know, know what this is. This is uh, somewhere south. Uh, it's beautiful weather. It has it been is. all week. It's been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. cheating the hangman with the weather we've got this week. I'm actually going to mow my lawn for the last time when I get home today. Nice. Man. So, you know, got to do what you got to do. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. I, mean, I, got, a, I got a new role on this team. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying coming here every day and um, just being a part of being a, being a part of this uh, this opportunity that we have every week. It's an adjustment, yeah. though, right? I mean, it really is. Yeah, like because when you're immersed in it, twenty four seven. Yeah. Both, not only mentally but physically as well. And now you have to put the physical stuff on the side. Yeah. And then help guys, you know, with your mental acumen for this game. That's a shift. Yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, it was it was it was new. You know, obviously I, I was going into surgery with a with an open mind. I didn't really know what was what, what to expect. But um, after surgery, it was you know hard being away, and then getting back here last week, it was you know might have been even more difficult because I'm in meetings now and I'm just like you know trying to help any way I can. But you know, obviously, there's only so much you can do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's tough. But um, I, I'm like I said, I'm excited to be back here. What do you? What about the physical side of it? Are you starting to work on that as well? Yeah, I, I uh, we got a bike upstairs. Um, one of those sitting down bikes. So my man Lynn, we call it Tour de Lynn. Uh, we get on the, <laughs> we we get on the bikes together and we uh we just we just ride and that's pretty much all I can do right now. So what is what is the prognosis going forward? Like how long a rehabilitation are we talking here? Is it months? It's months, yeah, right? Yeah, it's definitely months. Uh, so before surgery, they said six to nine months. Okay. Um, nine months, obviously being being the a, long end. Yeah, yeah, the the very long end. Um. Honestly, I feel great right now. Uh, if I were to call the doctor right now and tell him I feel great and and you know I I want to try to do a little more, he would he's going to tell me to just calm down a little uh, bit. Right, but right, yeah. But uh, you know, it's just it's don't mess with next. It's kind of yeah, oh, yeah, no, it's kind of sure, typical sure. if they if the surgery goes well, you feel really good. Feel and, really and good. The hard part is taking it easy during the early part of mm-hmm. the recovery, correct? So that you don't have setbacks later on. Hundred percent. Right. I mean, that's I've been through it. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. It's tough. It, it's, that's the hard part. Yeah, it really is. It, it's tough because I feel good, and you know, I'm out there. I'm catching balls. I'm able to throw a little bit. So, like, particularly on days like today, I know, right? Like, I just want to go outside and just throw the ball around. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I I, I understand this is going to be a uh, this is going to be a, a process, and um, I'm able in the next couple of weeks to start working out a little harder. All right, give us a little sense of your uh, your role with these guys. I know you sit there, and I mean, you got to be talking. You know, Poyer now, Poyer standing beside you. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, Demar. Jaquan are out there. Yeah. You know, what are the kind of things that you can do for them? I mean, they're obviously you guys know these guys and they know the defense. Oh, he's been here four years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys. I mean, he's a vet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's so it's really some nuances, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I think that you know, obviously, we have a lot of experience between Poe and I just being out there. So um, I know they haven't been on the field as much as us, but they've been, like you said, year four. You Engaged, know, they've been in the yeah. locker room. They've been in the conversations. They they see what we see in the discussions that we've had. So um, you know, we. I, for myself and obviously Poe being out, we just give them confidence. Just go in each and every day and try to give them confidence, give them some nuggets on on what we may see in the film study and all that type of stuff. How, give me, go ahead. I was wondering how lo- if you can remember back, you know, when you and Poe got together in seventeen. Yeah. When did you guys feel you reached that point in time on the field where it was just you're not even talking anymore. You're just looking at each other. And you guys know how you're going to spin the dial on a quarterback mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or disguise or how long you're going to wait. Yeah. I mean, there's times where you too, but almost 
poor Poe more, more of the time, he's almost lining up out of position at the snap and somehow gets to where he's got to be. Yeah. When did you guys feel you reached that point? Because I'm trying to project it now yeah. for Jaquan and DeMar. This is their third start together this week with Coach Rule and Poe out this morning. Mm-hmm. So when did you guys feel like you reached that point where it was just – Well, to be honest, um, I would say the whole 2017 season okay. was kind of just a learning process. All right. Um, and I, but I think that with what – Quan and Dehan were able to come in too, and obviously learn from us and experience-wise. It's not going to take them a whole season. Well, they've had more they, of an on-ramp exactly. than so you they guys know. did because you guys just got dropped in here exactly. and bang on the field. Yeah, they had learned the playbook and go out there and disguise. You know, that's that's kind of what happened to us. <laughs> yeah, right. So give us an idea. Well, give us a you know these guys. What do they do well? I mean, I mean, because it takes so much. I mean, athleticism. Mm-hmm. Beside, but what did, what does Jaquan do? What does Demar do? What do they bring to the table that may be a little different than you guys? Good or bad or yeah. whatever. Well, I think that. Last, be a coach for a minute. If yeah, I, I think that last week um, a lot of people saw what, what D. Ham's able to do in the run game, just as far as hitting. Um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna come downhill and he's gonna hit. Obviously, he can play the ball in the air also. And then with Quan, he's he's. Um, I feel like he, you know, when the ball's in the air, he's gonna go get it. But he's like sneaky. He's he's one of those guys that he has natural leverage. He makes tackles. You know, you saw against um, the Dolphins game where he hit um, Tyreek Hill pretty pretty good. Um, but he's just you know low leverage. Makes good, you know, makes good tackles. Former wrestler, so he knows how to get get gets guys down and stuff like that. So they both bring something to the table that maybe Poe and I don't. Um, and it's just you know for them just to catch up in that experience role and 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 you know kind of learn from us. Last week against the Pack, on the touchdown where they have Rodgers and they move the pocket, mm-hmm. Ham got his hips turned. Yeah, what's the teaching moment there? To prevent, I mean, he's by himself in center yeah. field, one on one. The guy's Correct. got a choice of anywhere yeah. in the end zone to go. What is there a teaching point there to make it at least less of yeah. an opportunity for a touchdown? Well, I think that in that situation, I mean, obviously Rogers one of the best ever to, right. to play that the game and, and buying time. Uh, he's you know he knows how to use his legs and buy time and on that play kind of rolled out and then came back, yeah. which was able to. I don't know how you know exactly how much time it was, but I would say close to you know seven. Seven, right. eight, it was at seven. least a long play. Yeah, it was a yeah. long play. So uh, with that, I feel like when I'm in that when that situation, I know um, I'm I'm planning on Poe also being there, um, and so or not just okay. Poe, but I'll, another corner or somebody just being deep. So you know he's running across the field. I'm able to cut it off, and if he comes back, I'm just hoping that someone else is you know gaining okay. some ground. So he got caught on an out. island by himself. Yeah, it, so it's there's tough. really nothing you could do there. It was a tough play, and if you look on the front side, you know you had Quan with some depth, but there was a receiver right there also that he right. also had to play. So it was you know it was one of those plays that um, you know you just hope that you know you get a little more. Get a little more rush that you can kind of eliminate the the time that he was holding the ball. Otherwise, that's a tip your hat play to the offense. Give it to like, him. Yeah, you, know, you got scheme that up. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Give us a little idea. Um, peep into this week's game. Uh, Brownie and I have been talking. I mean, they got a quarterback who's young, and yeah. he's he has. There's no, there's no way to sugarcoat. He struggled at times. Mm-hmm. Got a live arm. Pretty good athlete. Um, how do you a- approach this? Are you Willing to gamble a little more, fooling him, trying to fool him a little more, thinking he'll make a bad throw, uh, or is it more of a you know what if we just mind our p's and q's, he's going to give it to us anyway? That kind well, of thing. Uh, well, I think this is one of those games that um, you know you you kind of got to understand your understand your opponent. Um, obviously, they they have a good defense, a young coach that preaches that, um, a new you know second year coach that preaches that, um, and a quarterback that's had some ups and downs. He's played well, but he's also you know turned the ball over. Um, and you know that kind of sounds familiar. It sounds like us 
you know, years. Yeah, we had that conversation earlier. Yeah, you know, he looks like Sugar High Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so. I mean, it, when you know, when you know your opponent, you just gotta. You know, we go in each and every week trying to get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. So as long as you can do that, uh, whether if it's Aaron Rodgers last week or you know Zach Wilson this week, you always want to get pressure on them and hope that the rush is going to get there. And then from there, balls in the air, you got to make plays on it. So. Um, you know, we just uh, we understand this opponent, and uh, you know it's always going to come down to stopping the run and not turning the ball over on offense. Talking to Bill Safety, Micah Hyde here on One Bills Live. Um, benefit when you don't face a division opponent until Week Nine because you got plenty of new tape to watch. I mean, mm -hmm. you got eight weeks to work with. You know their personnel because you play them twice a year. But when you're waiting half a season to play them the first time, does that? change the dynamic does it help for preparation where do you kind of come down on that when you're already halfway through the season you still haven't seen him yet yeah um I, I think that this is where this is the point of the season where teams can kind of separate themselves or they can also fall to the the bottom of the pack um so that being said you know this team has has been playing well obviously they had a hiccup last week um but this is this is a good football team. So I, I think it's given us time to be able to understand that. You know, you play a team week one, you never know what you might get. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, this is kind of that midpoint of the season where you just you, you understand the, the team well. And it is a divisional opponent. We know their personnel and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tight game. And uh, I think as long as we understand that every it seems like every divisional game is, is like that. Right. Well, it's, I was telling Steve, like we saw what the point spread is and what people in Las Vegas think. That's one thing. But wacky stuff always seems to happen mm -hmm. down there. You remember the 18-10 game where yeah. it's all field goals for you guys to yeah. win that? I mean, nobody thought it was going to be – you know what I mean? Like yeah. there always seems to be something off kilter that happens down there. That stadium is just like – I don't know what well, it is. It's, yeah, it was that way when back in, when it was Giants Stadium rather than MetLife. Yeah. It's, it's always – it's a weird thing. We heard today that the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant He's got that on full volume out there. You got to get used to that. That really, people yeah. people downplay that like as a game. That helps yeah. when you go in there because when you hear on the loudspeaker or in the stadium what you have heard all week, 100%. it gives you a sense of you know what we're ready for these guys. Yeah, we knew what they were. We knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. We know what's going to happen on the field. We know what music's going to. We know what, yeah. we even know what music. We know what you're eating for your pregame meal. You know, yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, it really gives you a sense of like, hey, we're ready. It's big. It's big. You got to you know mentally going into a game. Um, you got to kind of visualize before you get in, you get in onto the field. That's so right. whether if it's a J E T S, you know, yeah, yeah. Jets, 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 or um, knowing where the the play clock is, or knowing you know right. what your locker room looks like, you know, all or what uniforms you're wearing, all this type of stuff that like people might not realize that we really pay attention to because you know you got to visualize. We all like to visualize and have routines going into a game. So um, when you're able to visualize, you just feel like you go out there and you know when something happens. Oh, I've I've seen this before. You know, that's right. When I know film carries the day in terms of the preparation for an opponent. But when there are numbers to back up what the film is showing you, how much of a reinforcement is that? And I guess an example I would use is, I think Zach Wilson, from what we've read, is the lowest rated passer in the league when he's under pressure. Yeah. Now you see that's probably evident on film at times too, based on the study that you guys do. When it's reinforced in the numbers, how much does that solidify whatever the game plan might be for mm -hmm. a given week? Um, well, I, I mean, I think that's I think that's huge. I think as long as you you know have a stat like that and you understand that, um, I mean, no matter what, you're going to try to get him outside the pocket, right? Um, and and usually when he's outside the pocket, he's under duress, which you know brings his passer rating or his QBR or whatever down. So. 
Um, I think as long as you understand, it just it just always starts with the pass rush, and that's why we, you know, the guys that we have up front, uh, we live or die with them. You know, I, I love the way they get after the quarterback, and you know, hopefully they do the same this week. Yeah, one last. Um, so twenty seven's back out on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's and you know he brings his own. You know, he was dancing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's that been like? What What are your thoughts about him? What's he been saying about how excited he is? I'm sure that if he does and come back this week or next week or whenever, it'll start slow, like they ramp him up. But got to be nice to have Trey back. It's It's awesome. It's awesome to have Trey back. Um, You know, you can just slowly see him become himself more. You know, I obviously I'm dealing with what he went through before Mm -hmm. and just kind of being. You kind of feel a little isolated. You know, being you know away from the guy or not being able to be on the field, but. You know, coming back here and seeing him from from the day he got surgery until now, from you know where he was until now, I, I just you know I'm I'm so I'm so proud of him. Just the hard work he, hard work he put in, and um, you know two seven is a big part of our just our team, our locker room, our feel. Like he just brings so much personality, and and Sean, you know obviously he he preaches personality. Like be yourself here in the building. And when Tredavious you know got healthy, um, and he's back practicing on the back practicing on the practice field and all that, it's just. It's amazing to see, and I just uh, I can't wait for him to get out there and he, make some plays. We were talking about this the other day before we let you go here. Trey's always been a finely tuned athlete. We know that. All you guys have to be if you're going to be successful in this league. But with him not able to do anything but train, mm-hmm. does he look a little more rocked up to you? Because he looks yeah. more rocked up to me. Like, yeah. Just- yeah, there was a few times where I saw him in the weight room over the last – Couple of months, I'm like, geez, dude, like, relax. Are you, are you I mean, get, he's always been get, lean. You're gonna get too but big, but even when he got on the field, and I watched him, uh, I think it was last week. Just like his breaks, you forget how twitchy he is. You forget yeah. how, like, how he he stops on a dime and he comes out of it. Yeah. And like, it, just seeing that again, I was just like, oh my gosh, like that's that's the Tre'Davious White that we all remember. And right. and like I said, I can't wait for him to the first play that he makes. Oh man, I'm gonna be so excited for him because that's just a that's just a monkey lifted off his shoulders. Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, Micah, thanks for the thanks time for here. Good we look to forward you, to bringing we'll you in man. here on Fridays. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll keep you busy, man. Yeah, uh, we'll I love give it. You some extra stuff to do here. <laughs> Please. Uh, you're making the trip though, right? You're making I am. all the trips. Yeah. I'm making all the trips. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's allowed to call you coach, though. I heard. No, don't call me coach. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not coach. I'm not coach. I'm just. We know 23 and 23. We already saw that. Hashtag it. Whatever. Do you know? We're close. We're getting there already. 23 is coming soon. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Uh, We'll catch up with you next Friday. That's Micah Hyde joining us here, as he will every Friday the rest of the regular season. We'll take a break. Be back with more here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Good to catch up with Micah there. And as a reminder, he'll be with us every Friday on the show uh, with his new segment called Nothing to Hide. So we look forward to that in the coming weeks. So be sure to uh, mark your calendars on your phones to mm-hmm. uh, catch up with Micah each right and every the, Friday edition of the show. No, be should be right in the first segment like yeah. we just did. So it'll be right at the top of the show. Well, yeah, he's out, on, so, pra- out of practice yeah. with the rest of the team, comes right yeah. off the practice field, rolls in here. So, yeah. Want to get to the phones, though, because it is Friday, which means the OBL Friday fan mailbag is open. Any Bills or NFL-related questions that you might have, fire them off at us, or you could do it on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live, and we will do our best to answer them intelligently. So we lead off today with Bill in Buffalo. Bill, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. What's going on today? How are you? Good. Great. All right. So uh, did you guys end up catching any of that? 
Thursday night football game last night? Uh, I did not. I was watching hockey. I watched a little yeah. of it uh, just on highlights and stuff like that. I, I did not want to see that game. <laughs> so I noticed that the broadcast uh, crew brought up a new rule that was sent out for assisting the runner, 10-yard penalty for doing so. Oh, um, like pushing the pile the and is, stuff? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, I noticed, I watch a lot of football, just like you guys. I've never really seen a team do what the Bills just started implying with, you know, the quarterback sneaks where Gabe Davis comes behind him off of the motion, pushing him forward. First time I seen it, I think it was maybe week two or three. I was like, yeah. genius. It's they, did it, they did it again last week. The rule has yeah. been the rule has been that if you can push the pile from behind, but you can't pull. See what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. You can't be in front of him and pull him behind yeah, drag you. Him behind you can you. get behind him and push him forward, but you can't pull him. And I don't know that this new rule assisting the runner stops you from doing that or not, because I, I didn't hear the broadcast, and I'm, I'm not aware of that rule. I'm going to find out. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a 10-yard penalty. They sent it via email to all the coaches. That's what the broadcast crew said. Okay. Did they right. get flagged on it last yeah. night? No, the whole defense was going crazy. They wanted a flag, and I guess there was no okay. flag on the play. All right, and well, he pulled him forward on that play in particular. But I noticed the same thing. I noticed that I believe it was the Eagles. Uh, they started doing that same thing where they implied, I think it was A.J. Brown, where he right, started pushing yeah. behind the quarterback. And I just thought to myself, I don't think we're going to see punts as we don't anyway on fourth and ones anymore if that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's a valid that's a valid thing to bring to the table. Glad you did, Bill. And here's one way you can get rid of it faster, though, Steve. Instead of instituting it as another thing to throw a flag for a penalty, as soon as the ref thinks forward progress is stopped, blow the whistle sooner. Do you find do you find yeah. that the whistles are coming a lot later on that stuff? And then they let the guys all gang up and push the pile. Yeah. And then it just becomes like a rugby scrum. Yes. The, the it doesn't matter to me whether they do it or don't. But I need it to do it. I need you to do it the same way every time. In this game, I want to. If you're going to do it that way, do it the same in the next game. And if you're going to do it in this game, do it in that game over there the same weekend. You know, yeah. get the crews to do it consistently. That's all you want. And I get it too. There's no no two runs are really that similar. You know, they're all different in their own way. Every every play is unique. Like snow, you know, they're all like they're a little snowflake. But <laughs> consistency is really all we can ever ask. And that's you go from we cut it to such a fine line these days that obviously we're all running into the fact that the difference is the guys in each individual crew. I mean, we're even now um, gambling sites, fantasy sites, all of these people are starting to dissect the officials' crews. Well, this team lets them play. This team doesn't. This team's got a lot of holding penalties. This this crew doesn't. So we're starting to, we're starting to, to really dissect the officiating crews and what they're – you know, good and bad at. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be even harder to achieve the consistency we're talking about. But, you know, by and large, you got to know it's still human beings. You're never going to get it all right like that. But I, the interest, I got to, we got to, thanks for the call, but we got to find out about the assistant yeah. runner rule. Let's it, go back. It may be just a point of emphasis. They have it in the rule book and they have yeah. been calling it kind of thing too. We'll have to find out. Let's go back to the phones and we go to Bob in Lancaster next. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. You got you got to get Brownie to pump the brakes a little bit. You guys always talk about how hard it is to win in the NFL. Zach Wilson is one eleventh of the offense. Yeah, 
and it, it's a scary it's a scary game. I mean, I, I sure hope that we're as good as Steve says, but the Jets' defense is scary. Josh has had trouble with C.J. Mosley in the past, and Quinnen Williams is a beast. We have to be better in offense in the second half than we were in Green Bay. I just, I'm, this game is scary to me. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, and we've said all week that the Jets' defense is legit. Uh, they're a top-10 defense. They're good in a lot of areas, and C.J. Mosley's playing out of his skull right now. C.J. Mosley's a great player. He's got twice as many tackles as anybody on the team. He's, he's got 82 tackles. The next closest guy is the linebacker next to him. He's got 44. He's having as good or maybe even a better year than Matt Milano's having, and we all know how well Matt Milano's been playing for the Bills. C.J. Mosley's right there with him. He's... Uh, maybe hasn't made the splash plays that Milano has, but he's having that kind of year. So, yeah, and I agree with you, Bob, that this is – I've said it yesterday and I still believe it. I think this is going to be a much closer game than you can talk yourself into getting to. You know, if you start watching these films and you look at the stats, you know, well, the Bills are – you know, you start thinking, well, they'll get a couple of extra – you know, this kind of stuff. The Bills are going to lengthen it out on them. It's going to end up being, you know, 29-10 or something. I don't know. Um. I know this. You're going to get the you're going to get the best shot the Jets have. They're at home, and this is a big game that has been circled on their calendar for months, for months. And they just saw the Miami Dolphins nick the Bills, and they beat the Dolphins badly. They thumped the Dolphins forty to seventeen. So. They got to think they've got a they've got a chance in this game against Buffalo, and they're going to come out and try and punch them right in the mouth. So I'm with you, Bob. I think this game is going to be a better game than you might give it credit for. Strict credit for starting with the fact that this is a division game, and they know these guys. Robert Sala played against these guys twice last year, and he's played against them when he was defensive coordinator of the 49ers right before he got the job. And they got a lot of players who have seen Josh Allen play a lot. So. You're not going to get over on coming in there and going, wow, look at this guy. They've seen him. They know what they're up against. So there's every chance the Jets are going to come out and, and punch him in the mouth. And that's when you find out what you're really made of. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I don't see the consistency. I just don't, uh, especially from Zach Wilson. And, yeah, he may be 111th of the offense, but he's a pretty important 11th because he's pulling the trigger on every single play. Well, they scored four. What happened in the – I haven't even gone back and looked. What happened in the Jet-Miami game that the Jets beat them 40-17? to 17? What was going on in that game? Was that when Tua didn't play or what? They had four turnovers. Okay. The Dolphins had four turnovers in that game. Basically, Eric Allen, the Jets.com senior reporter who was on the show with us yesterday, he explained – it's been all about yeah. the turnovers for the Jets, and he's was, right because I looked it up. Oh, that was when Bridgewater went down after throwing one after pass, the first play, and, and they had Thompson, Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson comes in and throws yeah. thirty-three times. So that's the they beat the Dolphins with Skyler Thompson. They beat the Broncos with Brett Rippon <laughs> at quarterback. That's two of their five wins. Their other win came from a complete collapse by the Cleveland Browns, who were up 14 points with a minute 55 left and oh, lost the football yeah. game. That's, That's three of their five wins. The Bills are going to smoke these guys. I'm just <laughs> telling you right now. They're going to smoke them. It's a reality check week this you week really for the Jets. Think, They're going to smoke them. Come on, man. When we I don't come in so. here Monday and they win by 
15 points. Uh, listen, I will gra- the Bills are a better football team, no question. And it starts with Josh, no question. But I, it, it's a divi- I just have a hard time getting my mind around them. I know, division games are up. usually, and like I was just telling Micah when he was in here last segment, Wacky stuff tends to happen in MetLife yeah. Stadium. I don't know what it is. I don't know if Jimmy You're Hoffa's right, if ghost they, is running the around bill, out but there. But if the Bills go in there and Josh throws two bad turnovers in this game in the first half instead of the second half, now you got problems. Well, yeah. I mean, no kidding. You turn the ball over, yeah, you're going to have problems. Well, but here's not above the thing. that. They, they, do it, that's a, they do it a lot, too much for a good team. The Jets don't have their best offensive weapon. Brees Hall, he's out for the year. Their offensive line is a mess. Corey Davis, their best blocking wide receiver and probably their number two behind rookie Garrett Wilson is out with an MCL injury. Um, Zach Wilson is playing the most inconsistent football. He's got the lowest completion percentage among starting quarterbacks in the league. I mean, I'm sorry. They're not ready for prime time. You're playing a prime time team and you're not ready to play after 1 p.m. I realize the game is at 1 p.m., but they're – they're they're on the right track. I, I think Robert Sala is the best coach they've hired since Herm Edwards, I, I and they're agree. doing a lot of good things. We've already we've said that. But a lot. they're in year two of their development, and the Bills are in year six. You're going to see the difference on Sunday. Right. I. You're right. The Jets continue under was it Joe Douglas and Sala to do a lot of things really well. I, I made the joke at draft time that we all missed a holiday not being able to make fun of the Jets draft. They're doing a lot of things right, and they're getting benefits from it now. These young players are playing really well. Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall are difference makers. Uh, they're good. They just don't have enough of it going on right now, particularly in the offensive line and their quarterback. And those are, that's, you know, obviously two pretty key components. I, you know, I'm still not going to sit here and jump up and down and and feel like that. You know, they're just going to go in there and light the Jets on fire. I don't know if they can do that. Not with C.J. Mosley and Quinn and Williams in the middle. Those guys are really yeah. And Brownie, like, they're you, good players they're when you're really running inside good. the tackle box. Let's yeah. see if they can catch Naheem Hines or or James Cook on a wide zone run. Right. Are you going to be able to get there? I don't know. Okay. Mosley's a big thumper guy. We got. He's not a sideline to sideline guy. We've got to capture that. Sound Hines will be down in the end zone, the bills are gonna doing backflips after he scores, and Mosley will be like, "Where'd that guy go? <laughs> Where did you say? What did you say they were gonna do? Gonna smoke him? They're gonna smoke these guys. The Bills are gonna smoke these guys. <laughs> that is classic. We got to take a break. Uh, more to come, uh, including Greg Cosell in hour number two of the show. Stay tuned to One Bills or uh, One Bills Live. We'll be back in a sec. All right, back here on One Bills Live on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Tailgate Friday is where we're at now. It's presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. For those that don't know, this is where we ask you what your tailgate plans are for Sunday, home or away. What is on the menu? Who are you partying with? We want to know on the tweet sheet here. So we go to the Tailgate Friday tweet sheet, and Jerry leads us off, and he says, Mini Mafia watch party in the Pepsi Club at Highmark Stadium. Go Bills. So I guess he's got a private event over there. Oh, I'm going to be there. Oh, you're going to be there? Yeah, I'm oh. going to be there. Okay. Well, yeah. thanks for letting me know. Well, I mean, I didn't know if you'd care. I mean, it was... <laughs> 
I'm going to be there for the first half. Be there a little before game time. Be there for the first half watching nice. watching the Jets. And then um, we'll come over here and we'll get ready for post-game, post-game live, yeah. Maddie and I. So Nice. Yeah. Dinah says, not sure what I'll be doing other than watching the game on TV. Used to call my 87-year-old mom after every score. We'd sing the shout song together. Oh, man, but she passed away yesterday morning. Uh, I'm at a loss for what my new tradition will be. She'll be watching in heaven. She's got a good seat up there, Dinah. Go Bills. Sorry for your loss. Uh, That's too Um, bad, Dinah. Here's one thing you can do in the interim. If you don't have a friend to call, I know that the shout song is on the Bills app. So that's not going to replace your mom for sure. But at least it's some yeah. some way to have a song to sing with. Get the Bills app, go, and they've got the train horn, and they've got the Bills the shout song as well on there. So it's. Uh, but yeah, condolences to you and your family. Yeah, that's, that's good. tough. I'm, I, I, that that's too bad. That's a, a, the first time you go around stuff without yeah. the loved one is is rough. That stinks. So our, our condolences to you and your family, Dinah. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Jack says since the weather looks salubrious. Ooh, fifty cent word, Jack. Well done. Salubrious for November. Going to watch the game in my garage man cave and get the charcoal smoker going, hopefully outside the garage. Mm. Thinking two types of wings, honey Cajun barbecue with peach smoke. Is that a thing? Apparently. Yeah. Oh, peach, peach wood. wood. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, peach wood. And some chevettas mixed with JA-17 hot sauce on the pit. That combo is TNT. Can't forget the dogs and crowd. Yes, if I remember right, Jack is a giant hot dog guy. Mm-hmm. But good stuff. Yeah, the and I have to. I have to. I'm gonna. I've said this two weeks ago, and I keep forgetting. I got to get around to this. I'm gonna have to make chevettas wings because I like chevettas chicken. Oh yeah. You know, just regular chicken sure. breasts on the grill or whatever. But I want to try it as a wing. I'm just I'm very curious. Yeah, that the we have it has been so far a spectacular fall season. Well, this week especially. And this is all great. We had we had like I don't know, two weeks ago or maybe a week and a half ago, we had the, you know, kind of three days of rain and it was tough to live with. And then, you know, we got this yeah. little patch of good weather. The game on Sunday was fabulous. Yep. And all through this this week it's been great. We sat outside last night in in the evening and just kind yeah. of my wife it was in. on me because I was like, oh, I think I'm going to put the patio furniture away and pack it up for the winter. She's like, No, you're not. Right. It's going to be 74 on Saturday. Right. Don't do that to yeah, me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, sorry. Yeah, you got to use every minute. And you know, usually you're always one snow. You know, the snowstorm too late <laughs> to get well, that stuff in, right? Right. And I've been there too, which <laughs> yeah, is why I there. usually take preventative measures. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're probably going to winterize the yard Saturday tomorrow morning. We're going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to be. Down and, I'm going to be stuck waiting. I'm so. a. Yeah. I. I built. I have a spot in my house where we can get outside even in the winter. So I'm a big fan of outdoor living space. So we got to. You got to. I kind of keep a place where you can go away. For five minutes, <laughs> you know, smoke a cigar. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know you so need your you go. yeah, good stuff. Your yeah, hideaway the, space. That the, was uh, good. Honey Cajun smoked honey Cajun barbecue with peach wood, peach smoke. I didn't even know you could get peach. Smoke. I didn't know peach wood smoked differently than other wood. I guess it all does, huh? So does I know that mesquite mean, does. That means it's like a peach tree. I like guess. you chop down a peach tree, and that counts as. Tweet at us, Jack. We're Tell in, us a, what's we're the in story. an area you, that I'm clearly not familiar with. Maybe, you know, with. you can buy special wood. 
Well, that I know. You can go like to these places, like the yeah. big box stores, and they'll have a bag of peach wood, or they'll have a bag of hickory, or yeah. whatever, mesquite. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. Do, do they do that with pellet? They have pellets and stuff. That, I uh, that's, as I said, we're getting into an area that I'm, I am unfamiliar with. <laughs> so that's why I was asking. Mm-hmm. And now you've talked me Good around stuff. in circles. Here, here we go. Uh, okay, we'll take a break here uh, because when we come back, we have. In his regularly scheduled time, on his regularly scheduled day, the senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show, one Greg Cosell, joins us to break down the Jets. X's and O's next here on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to bring in at this point in time one Greg Cosell, NFL Films senior producer and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. Don't know if you saw this, uh, Greg, but this game is going to most of the country this week. Um, I imagine that CBS probably would have preferred that both teams were <laughs> six win teams, but still five and three and six and one, yeah. and, you know, a, a division match up here. It's actually a very big game. I mean, they, obviously the jets, everybody focuses on Zach Wilson. We'll discuss that. I'm sure momentarily, but, uh, no, the jets are five and three Their Their defense is very, very good. That's going to be a very interesting, uh, unit matchup bills. O jets D how, how do the Bill- Jets' defense match up against the Bills' defense? I mean, you got two really good defenses going uh, up against each other. I mean, is this going to be a 10-7 game, or, is, or are we looking at something else? Well, I, I think we'd probably all be surprised if the Bills didn't score some points. They may not score 40, but, you know, I think the way they've played for the most part this year, they will put up some points. They don't seem to get stopped. Um, the bigger issue is can the Jets' offense move the ball with any consistency – because Zach Wilson has been very up and down. He shows a flash here and there, but he has some some issues that need to be cleaned up as as he theoretically continues his development. Right, and let's pursue that a little bit further, because what seems to be lacking yep. there is when he tries to make a playoff script, he pulls his eyes down and is not looking down the field anymore, and it just becomes a schmozzle of a play where he's just trying to completely impro- improvise and make something out of nothing. He retreats out of the pocket too much instead of stepping up into it or through it uh, or choosing an escape lane right or left. And his completion percentage is the lowest in the league among starting quarterbacks at 54.9. It's hard to move the sticks that way, Greg, especially now with their number one offensive weapon lost for the year in Brees Hall. I'm still stuck on the word schmazel there. You uh, like that? I use that a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's let's just break down Wilson a little bit as a player. Um, you know, people got enamored, as we all did, and because he's got 
a really live, loose arm, and he has very light athletic feet. Um, when he throws the ball, it comes out easily, and it, it looks good. But now we get into the subtleties and nuances of playing quarterback in the NFL, and he's lazy and slow on his drop, and fractions matter in this league. So what happens is when he gets into the pocket, He's a little slow, so the bodies are closer to him than they really should be because he's not quick and efficient with his drop. So then when the bodies start to get a little closer, the next issue that he has crops up, which he tends to perceive and feel pressure that's not really pressure by NFL standards. And then he moves, just as you said, and his movement is not efficient. He tends to move backwards, and you cannot move backwards in the NFL as a quarterback. So uh, then the plays become random, and he's not really good enough right now to become one of those random playmakers. Can he make a play once in a while? Of course he can, because he can move, and he's athletic, and he's got a good arm. But he's not good enough at this point with his decision-making and his understanding of where to throw the ball on the move to really be called a dynamic playmaker. And he, he seems we Brownie and I have made the equate kind of equated it to the way Josh Allen played in his rookie season where he came out yep. and was he would do desperate things to try and make a big play and sometimes it would work and sometimes it would not. And if it did not, sometimes he looked kind of foolish doing it. That's kind of where Zach Wilson is now. Yeah, he is. And and look, any coach, but certainly a Robert Sala who's a defensive coach by trade. And particularly since they have a good defense, which we'll get to in a moment, the last thing you want is to turn the ball over. And I'm not saying anything profound here, uh, but they can stay in pretty much every game with their defense. It, it, you can make the argument that it's that good at all three levels from top to bottom. And you just don't want your quarterback making those kinds of mistakes. You'd rather punt the ball, yeah. uh, you know, so, uh, you know, and then. Wilson, obviously, you know, he had one interception last week as, uh, you know, all this is going through my head as we talk now, you know, because it, it all just comes out in a jumble because there's there's so much going on in my small little mind here. It just comes out in a jumble um, is he threw an interception on first down. You can't throw interceptions on first down, you know, just like you can't throw interceptions in the red zone, no matter what the situation is. And, you know, he does those kinds of things and that just kills you. Yeah. The Jets 4-0 and this year when plus uh, turnover margin, 0-3 when they are minus. They have one win right. when they finished even, and that was that furious comeback in the last 155 against the Browns in Week 2. So, yeah, turnovers really spell it out for them. Uh, if they don't turn the ball over, their defense can keep them in games, as you said. So let's talk about that Jets defense, Greg, yep. because uh, I was surprised to see, numbers-wise, how effective they are in zone coverage uh, yeah, well, that's yes. They've given like uh, they've got one of the lowest QBRs against in zone coverage this year. What has made them so effective when they go to zone? Well, it's really interesting you say that because they, they play more zone than man. They do play man, but they're more of a zone team than a man team. And, you know, I think which is kind of interesting, given the fact that you take their rookie sauce Gardner. OK, Um and he was a man corner at Cincinnati. He played to the boundary, the short side of the field, and he was a press man corner in college. Now, in the NFL, he plays on the left side, and DJ Reed plays on the right side. That's what they've done through the large, large part of the season. They're not a matchup corner group. They play sides. Now, could that change this week? We don't know the answer to that, but that's not the way they played this year. But the point I'm going to make is, 
Gardner has been really, really good, Brownie, in zone coverage, which is a little surprising given his college background. He's very good with his eyes. He's very good at understanding route concepts. He's very good at at sort of understanding the gray areas in zone coverage, when to carry, when to pass on. He plays with his eyes exceptionally well. We know he's got tremendous length, but he's been really, really good in zone and that's probably been a surprise to some simply because of how much man he played at Cincinnati. Yeah. And as we found out here in Buffalo, the better the pass rush is, the better the secondary plays. We also yeah. noticed Browning and I both, um, how good a year is CJ Mosley having? Cause he, to us, yeah. he jumps on the film. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and they don't blitz a lot. So that's, that's the other thing, but, um, uh, he's played extremely well. I think Quincy Williams, the other linebacker, has played very well in addition. I would say their front six, when they play nickel, has been really, really good. They've got a good D-line as well. Quinnen Williams has played very well. Franklin Myers is a very good player. Sheldon Rankins has showed up. He's flashed on tape. They move people around. Franklin Myers can play inside or outside, depending on how they want to play their front. They They stunt a lot. Um, they're a challenge mentally because of all the stunting they do and the games they play up front. This is a really good front six, and it's a challenge for all, you know, it will be a challenge for the Bills. Greg Cosell joining us here for his weekly segment, which is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. When you look at the Jets' offense, which is an offense in transition now with the loss of Brees Hall, Greg. No Corey Davis either this week. Elijah right. Moore, we don't know where he fits in. Is he still disgruntled? Is everything been smoothed over? He. he doesn't know where he fits in either, Brownie. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so, and, you know, their offensive line has been a weekly shuffle um, yep. due to injury. Is there any way to at least make this Jets offense functional going forward? The big question is the O-line because losing Vera Tucker was big. That guy's a really good player, and they, and he's the kind of player that they can move around and could move around because in college at USC, he played both guard and tackle and had ex- major experience at both. So he, he was playing right tackle, and then he got hurt, and he's done for the year. That's a big loss. That's where the Bills have to control the game uh, because their D-line, as we know, uh, I think they have – arguably, if not the, but they're very near the bottom in terms of blitz percentage, rushing five, but their their defensive front, as we've discussed many times, um, it has great depth and it's really good. And that's where they need to control the game. And if they can do that, they can make things difficult for the run game, number one, and number two, to put pressure on Wilson and turn him into kind of a random, reckless, undisciplined player. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the the two safeties. If what do you see when Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson? How is that so much different than Hyde yeah. Boyer? Because we've already heard oh, that well. Poyer's out for this week. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when Poyer and Hyde are dealing with you know one of the best safety duos in the league, both really smart, savvy players. Um, you know, Hamlin shows up on tape. I mean, you know, they depending on their fronts, their safeties are interchangeable. Um, you know, they both play in the box at times and they both play on the back end when they play single high. Um, so, you know, Hamlin, I remember watching him at Pittsburgh. Uh, and the reason he was not a higher draft choice is because he was just not 
you know, an athletic, measurable guy. But I always thought he was a smart, savvy player. And and when he was drafted by the Bills, I thought that's a good fit because he kind of fits what they do just in terms of how he plays. And I think that's shown up on tape. Johnson, I always felt, was a really good player who was just too small. And that's, to me, why he's a backup. But I think he's a pretty good player. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're not Hyde and Poyer. So theoretically, are they beatable? I mean, think back to the Miami game when uh, Tua hit Waddle on that down-the-seam throw, I believe it was, yep. that got them down to about the five-yard line. I'm sure you guys remember that play. Third you know, 22. it was Hamlin and Hamlin and Johnson were the safeties then. So I think, you know, that's the only thing that would kind of concern you is, to, you know, route recognition, understanding where they need to be in zone, uh, because there's always gray areas. And uh, and we'll see, you know, but I, I, they played a lot of snaps this year, guys, as you know. So they're not putting guys out who with no experience. Yeah, this will right. be actually their third start together this yep. season. They started together in week three, as you mentioned, then again in week five against Pittsburgh. And now they'll be starting again here together in week nine. Um, with all the changes that have gone on on that Jets offensive line, Greg, Cedric Abwehi is like the newest addition. They picked him up off the Houston practice squad, played yeah. some in that Denver game, played last week. Where I mean, we've seen him. He's got a lot of experience in the league. But where, where is he as far as blending into what these guys are trying to do offensively? Have you looked at him at all? Or? You know, He's a fascinating guy because, as I recall, he was a first-round pick, Brownie. Was he not? Uh, I, yeah, yes. I want to say I that's right. Was, yeah. yes. I think he was a first-round pick. Everybody loved his athleticism, and he never became a really good player because, obviously, he's with a number – you know, I don't know what number team this is that he's with, but he's he's played with a number of teams. Um so he's one of those guys that's tough to figure out because he's still a pretty athletic guy that can look good at times. But obviously, he's never been able to become a starting player in this league. Uh, and again, like I said, this is where it'll be interesting to see how the Jets deal with this because he'll play right tackle. Um, and, you know, obviously, Von Miller's over there. And what will the Jets do when you get into those passing situations? Since uh, Wilson is so reactive to opposing color, you know, will the Jets feel that they have to chip? Will they feel they have to keep someone in as a primary pass protector, meaning you lose someone as an eligible receiver? You know, that's going to be an interesting element of this game. We don't know the answer to that. But, you know, the, as as we've discussed many times, if you can't protect the quarterback, you don't have a passing game. So that's where it starts. What about their running game? I know Brees Hall was really emerging as a yeah. an absolute home run hitter. They lost him with the, the knee injury. Now Carter is the guy. How does that change? I mean, the offensive line. I mean, they're running. You would think their running game would be in a shambles right now because their offensive line shuffling and they lose their number one guy. Yeah, and they and they also have James Robinson, Steve. So they've got two backs now that they probably feel they can run with. Um, certainly, the the Bills will want to play better overall run defense than they played a week ago. Uh, that game was different, obviously, so it it may not be reflective of what happens this week. And it's normally a very good run defense. So, but they're going to have to have some success running the ball in an ideal world. 
in an ideal world, they would like to have both volume and production, because what would you like to do when you play the Bills? Assuming your defense is good enough to keep the game together, you want to control the pace and tempo of the game. You want to shorten the game, and then hopefully you can win the game 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter. You know, it's not likely the Jets are going to jump out and be ahead 21 nothing. So you want to keep the game close, control time of possession, control the pace of it, and then be in the game in the fourth quarter. That's really the plan. Uh, second leading receiver on the Jets is Tyler Conklin, who a lot of people had high hopes for going into this oh, year yes. at the tight end position. You always hear that when a quarterback's struggling, a tight end can be his best friend. How would you assess the development of on-field chemistry between Wilson and Conklin? Well, I really like Conklin as a player. And and just to make an aside point here, Brownie, I think it's very possible you could see them play significant snaps with 12 personnel because they have C.J. Azuma's back healthy right. as well. And they're both kind of long athletic receivers that can run the seams. You know, they're not just your short, uh, you know, throw it six yard kind of receivers. In some ways, they have wide receiver ability in the kind of routes that they can run. Um, it's hard to get a feel for chemistry with Z- with Zach Wilson because um, very often there's just not a, a strong sense of timing and rhythm to his game. I remember a few weeks back against Pittsburgh, I believe it was in the second half, he looked very, very good because he can make throws. And if he and if they can get him to deliver the ball with timing and rhythm based on route concepts versus specific coverages, he can certainly throw it. I mean, let's let's not assume that just because he's made mad mistakes that he can't play. This guy's very, very talented. I can tell you for a fact, and you may know this, guys, that when he came out, he was in the same draft draft with Trevor Lawrence. There were some in the league I spoke to that thought he was a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so, you know, let's not forget that just because he hasn't really developed any kind of consistency and his mistakes look bad. Give us an idea on offense or defense for the Jets. What do you? How do you think they look at the Bills uh, given their roster and the and the current state it's in, I mean, where do the where do they hit the Bills where they think they can win, offensively and defensively? I would think that they feel going into this game that they can control the line of scrimmage on on their defense, Bills offense. That the Bills O line, while I wouldn't call it a weakness, I would say that they would view that as that was an area of strength for the Jets. That they can control the O line of the Bills, and if they can do that. That doesn't automatically mean you you stop the Bills' offense because we know what Josh Allen can do um, outside of structure. Even if the O-line is not performing at a high level, he, he will still stand there and deliver the ball. Um, but I think that that's where they would feel, Steve, that they, they need to, to win that matchup. Quickly around the league here, Greg. Um, Bradley Chubb was the big trade in the division. Yeah. Um how much do we feel he can make an impact on a Dolphins defense that clearly was lacking in the pass rush department with only 15 sacks through their first eight games? Yeah, and that's that's really an interesting point because they're also a team that normally likes to be very aggressive with pressure, and they were doing less of that this year because of so many injuries in the secondary. Um, but when you acquire players who are better than the players you have, it helps you. I mean, I don't know if we would call Chubb an elite pass rusher at this point in his NFL career, but he's better than what they have, and he is capable of being that guy any given week. I will say this. I think Jeff Wilson, a very under-the-radar trade as well to Miami Brownie, is a really important pickup because obviously with Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco, Jeff Wilson is a good back. 
Um, and he's basically, until McCaffrey got there, was the lead back for the Niners when Mitchell got hurt. And he's done well when he's been in that role for the Niners. And they've not run the ball as well as I'm sure Mike McDaniel wants them to. So it wouldn't surprise me if Wilson steps right in and becomes their lead back. I wanted to ask you also about uh, the one of the surprising teams in the entire league, the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith yeah. has seemingly transformed his career since he's taken over. Why is that? What do you see? I mean, it's hard to know why. I can only tell you what the film shows, and he's very decisive. Um, this is a team that plays a ton with two tight ends. In fact, they play out of 12 personnel more than any team in the league. And when you play with 12 personnel, as you know, Steve, very often you get more predictable fronts, more predictable coverages, because teams play base against you when you do that. And they do have a very good run game. So I think that really helps Geno Smith because he knows where to go with the ball. He's always been a pretty thrower. That's, you know, his ability to throw a football has never been an issue. It's just, his decision-making was always a little bit of an issue. He was a big check-down guy. He wouldn't let things develop, probably because he didn't feel comfortable with what he saw. Now he clearly feels comfortable with what he's seeing because he's turning it loose within the context of the, of the design of the play. Um, and their defense is a little bit overlooked right now. They have played extremely well the last three, four weeks. Last one I got for you, Greg, is the Vikings, winners of five straight yep. uh, and soon to visit the Bills have the Commanders this week, which is a team that might be a little distracted in light of the news that the Commanders had this week with a potential sale and all of that stuff. Um, can they keep this train rolling? Um, this was a team that lost close games last year. Now they're winning them. Yeah, and they made a big trade too. TJ Hawkinson is a really good player who would just, for whatever reason, did not become a volume target in Detroit. But I remember doing Hawkinson coming out of Iowa. He was a top 10 pick. And he was one of the few guys I've evaluated, Brownie, that I didn't have a weakness for, to be honest with you. Now, he's a really good receiver, and he's a really good run blocker, which is a big part of what the Vikings do. The Vikings are a good team. They're a team on defense, too. They have a lot of length up front with guys like Wonham, with Smith, with Daniil Hunter. I mean, this is they're a very interesting defensive team because of the length and athleticism and, and the uh, experience and linebacker with Hicks and Kendricks. Um, and offensively with Kevin O'Connell there, they've transformed from a team that played a ton with a fullback a year ago to a high percentage 11 personnel offense because that puts their best 11 out there. And now with Hawkinson, that's a big move for them. Good stuff, Greg. Appreciate you as always. Uh, I'm, I was going to get a quick ask you. Give us a quick take on the Tennessee Chiefs game, the Titans and the Chiefs game. Ah, Two really good well, clubs. The Titans, yeah, the Titans can't throw the ball, though. That's the problem. Uh, it's it's Derrick Henry. We don't even know who the quarterback will be for the Titans yeah. this week. Do right. we? I know Tannehill did not practice yesterday. I do not know what his status is today. But they really can't throw the ball. Even when Tannehill's out there, it's a struggle. Uh, you would assume it'd be hard for them to score. Greg, thanks for the time. We'll catch up with you next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. That's senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, also the co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. You can catch him there on the weekends early in the morning, either on ESPN or ESPN2. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I got a lot of respect for the Jets' defense, but I don't know. I just – I don't think they've seen an offense like this yet. When you think about it, well, no, like no, you run down yeah, the list. Unless you've played the Chiefs, I don't, you know, or the Eagles, I don't think you have either. I'm, um, yeah, the the this is going to be a, a step up In for the Jets, class, but yeah. you know, I mean, the 
Yeah, because they played the Dolphins without Tua. They, you know, they played all these teams. They played the Dolphins with their third-string quarterback. Right. Uh, Cincinnati was not themselves. They played Cleveland with Jacoby uh, Brissett. They played Denver with Brett Rippon. And they, they, you know, they barely beat the Steelers. They lost to the Patriots. Who are a 2-6 and six football team. Like, I'm sorry, I'm having a tough time. You know, believing this is a quality – I mean, look, I've said it before. They're plucky. You know, the Jets are plucky, but this is a step up in weight class that I don't know that they're ready for. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think think it's going to be a closer game than I think – you know, you could get yourself talked into thinking the Bills are going to roll, but I don't know. I I just think it's going to be a closer game than that. At least it's going to be in doubt for longer than we may anticipate. That's fair. I, I, you know, I can live with that. Just give me a win. Just win, baby. That's all I really care all about. Bills fans want. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Friday injury report came out, and the only player that is out for the Bills is Jordan Poyers, so that is unchanged. Questionable for the Bills for Sunday's game. Matt Milano and Spencer Brown both did practice today, albeit on a limited basis. So those two guys, iffy for Sunday. Von Miller, good to go. Tremaine Edmonds, who was nursing a heel injury through the week, good to go. Mitch Morse, who's still dealing with that elbow on his snapping arm, good to go. So Milano and Spencer Brown, the only other potential guys that may not get to Sunday's game. We'll just have to wait and see where it goes between now and kickoff on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Um, We know David Questenberry, Steve, will be the guy at right tackle if Spencer Brown cannot start. Matt Milano, if he's out of the lineup, we've seen Tyrell Dodson most of the time in in Milano's absence uh, recently, or when he or Edmonds has been out, it's been Dodson, the first guy off the bench. But Terrell Bernard, the rookie third-round pick, would seem to be a similar skill set, a more similar skill set to that of Milano than, say, Dotson, who is a bigger, thicker linebacker, more suited for the Mike role. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, earlier in the year when they played, I believe it was Baltimore, didn't Dotson get on the field one of those early well, games? Well, Milano played in the Baltimore Mil- game, played great. Yeah, um, um, but Dotson, but Dotson got on the field, yes. Got on the field in some of these games. Edmonds missed a game for a hamstring. That's what it was. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. They've got some guy. I'm, you know, Benford, you and I – Benford. Bernard, you and I uh, thought in the preseason, undersized guy, fast, but man, oh, man, instinctive. Super a lot like Milano. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a guy like he just sees it and he knows where it's going and he's there ahead of time. You know, he kind of has that sense about him, a really good football player. And I think that's what the Bills saw when they saw film him. You see him on the practice field, he looks like a safety. I mean, he's light. Uh, but that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But that's what he looks like. He's an undersized uh, NFL linebacker, even smaller than Milano. Yeah. And so, uh, but he's on it. <laughs> he's on it, right? He's like well, he's ahead of the too. game. He's fast. He's athletic. And he gets there ahead of the game, uh, which is why I think you're right. I, I, I'd kind of be anxious to see him play. Don't know if we'll see him this week. But uh, certainly he had to take some reps with Milano out, and so did Dodson. So, yeah, there's some questions. You start getting these guys, you know, Poyer and Milano not practicing. There's still a chance Milano lines up and takes every snap. Right. But it's going to be fun to watch these guys because I don't have the angst I once did when starters go down on this team because I'm kind of anxious to see these young guys play because I really don't think the Bills as a team are going to miss a beat. 
Well, for the most part, they haven't, with the exception of, you know, week three when half their roster was on the injury report. Right. And it was a 100-degree day. That was a different animal, but this is not that. Yeah. So I'm I'm really anxious to see – the team play, I, and I hope I do get to see some some new guys play a little bit. Um, and you know, first of all, you got to get a win. And I'm the last guy that should be saying this thing. And I'm, I said it was going to be a close game, so you want to hit all on all cylinders. But it will, it doesn't scare me. I don't have any angst when somebody's down and somebody's going to plug in. Yeah. Um, this team is really really good at that, and it's fun to see. Break time for us here. When we come back, some of your questions from the OBL Friday fan mailbag. Coming your way next, Steve and I will have your answers here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Friday. You're killing us, man. They So... Halloween was Monday, and we got fan- we started talking about candy bars. I like somebody sent us in a couple of bags of those, and I am plowing through candy bars during the commercial yeah. break. You're, I mean, you're headed towards I am, your second candy is, coma yes, of the week. Yes, I am absolutely plowing through candy. The we reason- had somebody brought in lunch that we had barbecue for lunch today, and I absolutely gorged myself on brisket. <laughs> I'm in a bad way. Well, Steve, I've told you many a time, your biggest problem is. You have zero willpower. Oh, if it is, who needs if it? food is, <laughs> if food is put in front of Steve Tasker, it will disappear. If he's hungry, if he's not hungry, if it is there, it looks edible, it smells good, it's gone. It is down his gullet. Bless no questions heart. asked. Somebody I'm not work. much better, but I, I at least have a couple of ounces of. Bless their heart. Somebody sent me like three bags of of uh, baby candy bars, baby Ruths, and because we talked about it on the show, it's my favorite, all that. And that. So he sent me two bags of those and, and a bag of something else. Yeah, you're making quick work of those. And I I shared with the crew in the yeah. you know I brought them in the crew <laughs> after having eaten an entire bag myself. Well, and here's before the other I brought thing. the other two bags in to share with the crew. Here's the other thing: half of the guys in the control room have kids. Oh, and they've gone to like four or five Halloween parties. So they're bringing in all of the extras because they don't want their kids rotting their teeth out of their head. And so we're, we're the benefi- beneficiaries, and that's why Finger Steve's going to have his second candy coma of the week on his way home. It, we're just – we're in a bad way, and we're not, we're not even putting a dent <laughs> in that candy out there. It's it keeps a, coming. It's, yeah, they keep bringing bag after bag every day. Like Jeff in there is like, well, this is phase two. Yeah, Jeff will I'm look out. Sitting there going, how many phases Jeff, are there? Jeff looks out for his kids, makes sure they don't eat it, but he brings it in and feeds us. Yeah. We all look like the fatted cow. Oh, my gosh. So good, though. <clears throat> it is good. Uh, we got to get to the OBL Friday fan mailbag, as promised, for your questions. And Scott leads us off with Do you think the Bills will run more two running back sets with Hines and Cook? Yes, with a capital Y. That's my answer. So. Maybe. Maybe I think yes. I think if you I don't want know to if it'll be there, Cook and Hines, right? If it is Cook and Hines, let's say they go out, they throw those guys out there, and for a change, they got Devin Singletary in there in a single back set, and then all of a sudden they come out and they pull like Dawson Knox off the field, and they go Cook, Hines, McKenzie, Davis, Diggs. 
Oh, they run 20. And they run 20 personnel. So two backs in the backfield, move them around. Um, you can run the ball out of that theoretically or, not, and, you know, or throw it, obviously, and go five wide with that stuff. Have two guys in the backfield, release both of them, and you got a problem. You would do that, in, particularly with Hines and Cook, because you feel like you've got a linebacking core that you can outrun with those guys. Uh, if they gonna and and how they match up is very key. Do they go six DBs or do they go with five? And if they go with five, you're thinking, okay, I'm I'm giving it the back on a one on one. Or if they go six, well, you're handing it off and you're plowing up through there. So you could even run twenty one, Steve, with a tight end on the field. That's going to put their third linebacker on the field. Naheem Hines on a linebacker. Well, there you go. Have fun with that. You can start tinkering with that. So Have that, fun with that. Yeah, so you're, you're, the question about having two running backs on the field at the same time, yeah, sure, certainly. And Hines is a great, you know, a great candidate for that because of his speed. Yeah. So we'll see. I, it's early. We don't know. Uh, and There's got to be a package of plays for they him may, this week. They may have it in there. And I think, because they don't know how it's going to work, and they don't know, you know, what they may do, throw some stuff out there. And start experimenting with it uh, to get it, A, see what it looks like, and B, other teams got to go, oh, man, now they got this. All right, we got to get ready for this. We got to have a plan for that. Let's put this in, put that in, put this in, put that in. Meanwhile, you're not doing any of that next week kind of thing. So they spend all their time preparing for something you're going to run two plays of or two reps of, and you're running, you know, 60 reps of something they haven't been as well prepared for. There's all, valid of that, all of that's in there. I'd be very surprised if Cook and Hines were both on the field in a two-back set, I would tend to think it's Singletary and one of those guys. And here's the reason. Singletary is the most reliable in blitz pickup. Right. Hines is new to it all, if you're the, and Cook is still learning on the job. If you're the Jets and you see those two guys back there with Josh, you're blitzing them. You're saying, if you're, let's make them protect. Don't let them get out. Uh, if they're back there, they're going to have to protect, or Josh is going to get hit. Eh, you could throw a quick swing out to um, them. Right, but you're going to make them do something other than just get out and run around. Yeah. You know, that's that would be the plan. Um, but, you know, so there you go. Well, who knows? You get Hines or Cook the on chess, And then, you know, you're back a in it. If you start doing that stuff, you're back in a chess match. You know, what are you going to do and what are they going to do? Yeah. Nick in the mailbag asks, who has been the better right tackle so far this year? You never want to see anyone get hurt. But in terms of performance, it seems to me that Questenberry – has been the more reliable option. I will say this. Questenberry's played very well. Um, I think there are still times when Spencer Brown has a rep he'd like to have back on occasion. I think we do have to remember he is still a relatively young player who's learning on the job. Second year. Second year. Yeah. Second year. Um, So, yeah, I think we have to keep that in mind. Any missed time with a back injury in training camp. So the ramp up to the season was significantly shorter than the other linemen. That's number one. He's had a sputtering start. Missed time last year. So, yeah. Um, and Kessenberry was on the Kessenberry right. started the last two years for the Titans at right for tackle. The, he, was the, he was the right tackle for the one seed last year. We said it a ton. He was a starting right tackle. And Saffold was the starting left guard for the Tennessee Titans a yeah. year ago when they were the number one seed running the football all over everybody. They've got some chops. Yeah. So Kess- I guess Kessenberry is no surprise that he's playing. Yeah. Well. I guess to answer your question, 
Questenberry has been very consistent when he's been in there. I think they believe Spencer Brown's the player with the higher ceiling because Questenberry is what he is. But I think having Questenberry in there, there is no drop-off at all. No, in fact, there's some stuff Questenberry does really well. Yeah. Um, the, the Run thing blocking with, in particular. thing with him, he's, um, he's 32. Um, he's only a five-year veteran. So right, because he, he had a battle with cancer. Right. Missed a whole season. Right. So he's, you know, he's long in the tooth age-wise, but he hasn't played that many years. So um, he is really solidified, I think, that he's the swing tackle. And he's played very well when he's been asked. And it's perfect, too. Right? I think right now they'd like him to just do what he did. Spot start, finish a game. And then next week you're backing up again. Yeah. You know? uh, but Spencer Brown, I think, I, I, I don't want to jump and like make more of it than it is. But he's, he's battled it physically throughout his early, in this early year and a half of his career. He's struggled with getting hurt. A uh, back injury in the off, a uh, back surgery in the off season. His ankle this year and last year, you know, just he struggles to stay on the field. Had COVID, you know, right. So, I think he's kind of ready to be done with all of that stuff and and get a string of games together. Yeah. Randall in the mailbag asks, I believe the only team that can beat us is us. That said, what do you think our weakness is, and in your opinion? How would you define a successful Bills 22-23 season? I think their weakness right now is turning the ball over. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's their weakness. Um, They're up among the league leaders in turnovers. As a matter of fact, I looked it up, and the Bills so far this season, they are 2-1 when they are minus in the turnover margin with their loss coming to the Dolphins when they were a minus one. 2-0 2-0 when they are even, which happened against the Ravens and the Steelers. And they are 3-0 when they are in the plus territory. And that was against the Titans, 41-7. That was in week six against the Chiefs. They win 24-20. So, actually, they're only 2-0. They were minus. They were 2-0 when they're positive. Right, and they were they're 1-0 when they're mi- uh They were 1-0 against the Obviously, against Green Bay, they won. Two and zero and even. They were minus one against Green Bay, correct? Yes, and they won and that. And they game. won that game. Um, so they're two and one when positive. I, I would agree with Randall on his tweet. I think the Bills are their own worst enemy, and turnovers are evidence of that. It's a microcosm of what might trip them up is their own turnovers. Um, I think if you're going to define the the success of this season, I don't want to say it's Super Bowl or nothing. Because you know anything could happen that would make it understandable that you don't go to and win the Super Bowl. But when they're clicking on all cylinders, they are the I think most difficult team to beat in the NFL, and it's up to them when they if you know they've got the horses. And I've said it too; they were good enough three years ago, and they were good enough in 2020 to win the whole thing, and they've been that good since. Uh, although a little different each year. The question is, can they kind of hang in there and, and play well on the game that's an elimination game? Right. I think a successful regular season is getting the number one seed. That is the goal after that's three right. painful road playoff losses. The goal is to have the postseason run through Buffalo. They get the number one seed. They accomplish that. To me, that's a successful regular season because that is their ultimate goal 
right now this season. We take a break here. Steve and I come back and close up the week for you here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Building a game plan presented by United Rentals. United Rentals is the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, give us the game plan for the Bills defense. Defensively, I think it may sound crazy, but I think you treat this jet offense a lot like you treated the Kansas City offense. You rush with three guys, maybe four guys, hope to get quick pressure. Their offensive line is struggling. You should be able to get home with just four guys rushing or maybe even three if you get a good rush. And you spy occasionally on Zach Wilson. He's the key to the whole thing. And if you can get quick pressure on him or get him to start to retreat with just the four, three or four guys, which you should be able to given the fact that their offensive line is in the shape that it's in, He's going to throw it up for grabs, and your guys in the back end, enough, there'll be enough guys back there to pull it in. I, and I think you, once in a, occasionally you'll spy with Milano, or if he's in there, Bernard or, or Dodson. Spy with those guys just like we saw him do with uh, Pat Mahomes. Don't give him anywhere to step to, you know, step to help. Don't, yeah. let him, let, don't let him escape. Keep him in the pocket. Keep him uncomfortable and make him throw it up for grabs. Yeah. I would say for Buffalo's offense, I would want to challenge the range – of their linebackers in nickel. I don't believe that C.J. Mosley or Quincy Williams are sideline, true sideline-to-sideline players. With the addition of Naheem Hines, I want to see Hines and Cook in the wide zone run game get to the edges where I think he could turn the corner and get bonus yardage there, you're thinking especially this, with misdirection. You're thinking wide plays in the yeah. offense and yep. – and those guys running side yep, to side. I think, I think you can get the edge on those guys because I think you have a faster offense than some, they do a front seven. Maybe some misdirection. Yeah, and some short, quick hitters to get the ball out of Josh's hand quick, make that pass rush think they're not going to get right. home very often. We'll be back at noon on Monday to break it all down. Enjoy the game on Sunday, everybody.